This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. This is episode 93, entitled, Is Jesus a Heavenly Angel in Hebrews or 1 Peter? As always, the Biblical Unitarian Podcast is the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. I would, in fact, be interested to know what sort of conversations that our episodes have spurred you to have with your friends or family members or members of your church about these very important topics. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Dustin Smith. As always, I am your host. As of late, our interest has been to ask whether the New Testament writers portrayed, understood, or regarded Jesus Christ as a heavenly angel. One might get the impression from reading the second century philosopher turned Christian Justin Martyr that Jesus was, at some time, the angel of the Lord. Even today, there are several million active Christians who think that the risen Jesus is Michael the Archangel. Our short surveys through the four Gospels, the Book of Acts, and the theology of Paul the Apostle have suggested otherwise, pointing instead to Jesus Christ being a highly exalted human being. This episode will continue the dialogue started with those who regard Jesus as a heavenly angel by looking at two more New Testament documents, the book of Hebrews and 1 Peter. I personally want to lay aside any assumptions I have on the matter and allow the text to speak for themselves. I have certainly been mistaken in the past, and I regard the scriptures as the final authority on who Jesus actually is. Both 1 Peter and Hebrews have some explicit comments regarding the relationship between Jesus and the angels, especially after Jesus' resurrection. Who is Jesus Christ, according to Hebrews and 1 Peter? Is he an angel from heaven? Let's find out on today's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Our first point today, will be looking at Jesus and the angels in Hebrews. We're going to look at a variety of passages in Hebrews chapter 1 and an important passage in Hebrews chapter 2. I'm going to start in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, which says, When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. That's Hebrews chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. It seems clear in this passage that the author of Hebrews regards Jesus as having been elevated above the angels. And in doing so, the author of Hebrews distinguishes Jesus from these heavenly messengers. There is a sense that Jesus was lower than the angels prior to his resurrection, 
based on how this passage reads. If Jesus was exalted to becoming much greater than the angels, then this means that Jesus was lower than the angels at some point. Hebrews is going to have much more to say on this point later in Hebrews chapter 2. More on that later. But the fact remains that Jesus has inherited a greater name than the angels. And this puts some distance between Jesus and the angels. The author doesn't try to confuse the two, nor does he try to suggest that Jesus is one among these angels. What we get here is something very similar to what we see in Philippians chapter 2, where Jesus is promoted. God shares with Jesus the name that is above all names. Hebrews 1 verse 4 saying that Jesus has inherited a more excellent name than the angels. Moving on in Hebrews chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 5, which says, For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. That's Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 5. Now Hebrews 1, 5 pulls together two important text dealing with the anointed king of Israel. These texts are Psalm 2 verse 7 and 2 Samuel 7 14. It is important that we understand what both of these texts meant in their original context since it is not uncommon for readers to get kind of sloppy at this very point. To be, quote, son of God, end quote, in Psalm 2.7 and 2 Samuel 7.14, is to be Israel's anointed king. Son of God, in these texts, is a title, and it's a messianic title. That's extremely important for us to understand as we move forward. I've actually made this point rather strongly when we looked at what Son of God meant in previous passages of the Bible, specifically in the Gospels. You can refer to some of the previous episodes of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast for those particular arguments. But it's safe to say that in Psalm 2, verse 7, in 2 Samuel 7, 14, to be Son of God is to have the title of Son of God. It is a messianic, royal, anointed, kingly title. Now, it doesn't help matters by insisting that angels are regarded at times as sons of God. You can see this in a variety of texts within the Hebrew Bible, such as Genesis chapter 6, Job chapter 1, and even Daniel chapter 3. The point that we've made, though, is that Psalm 2-7 and 2 Samuel 7-14 refer to the position and vocation of royalty. Again, Psalm 2-7 and 2 Samuel 7-14, as collected here, by the author of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 5, deals with Son of God as a title. It is a vocational title. It is a royal title. It also doesn't help matters to point to Jesus as the Son of God from his birth, which is what is clearly taught in a passage like Luke 1.35. It is true 
I need to make this point. It is true that Jesus is God's actual son in the sense that God is Jesus' father. But these two texts, Psalm 2-7 and 2 Samuel 7-14, deal with the title of son of God, the messianic royal title. They are not dealing, these two texts, with angels. They were dealing with the human messianic king of Israel. Now, it's not altogether clear where the author of Hebrews would place these passages in the life of Jesus. Perhaps at the time of Jesus' anointing for his vocation, which according to all four Gospels occurred at his baptism. Or maybe the author of Hebrews is looking at the time when Jesus was raised and seated at God's right hand. The enthronement, based on the highly used Psalm 110 verse 1 throughout the writing of Hebrews. Psalm 110.1 says that Yahweh said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. So there is a summons and an exaltation there with the enthronement of sitting at God's right hand. Is that enthronement what is meant by the author of Hebrews when he cites these passages about Jesus having the title of the royal and messianic son of God and in doing so differentiating Jesus from the angels? Well, we're not exactly clear on this point. Whatever the case may be, the point of the matter is that Psalm 2-7 and 2 Samuel 7-14 give a specific messianic title to God's human king. And this title is not given to any angel or any archangel in Scripture. That's the argument of Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 5. Let's move on to the next verse, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 6, which says, And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, And let all the angels of God worship him. That's Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 6. This passage is not as straightforward as it might seem for a number of reasons. First of all, the cited text from the Hebrew Bible doesn't clearly match any known verse in Hebrew. You can carefully search through the Masoretic text and you will not find a passage that says this. It comes very close to what is said in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 43, but only in the Greek version, in what is known as the Septuagint. The Septuagint differs a little bit from the Masoretic text, but the author of Hebrews is drawing all of his citations from the Greek version of the Old Testament, not from the Hebrew. Be that as it may, the sense of the citation is clear enough for readers to understand. Letting all of the angels of God worship Jesus indicates that there is a distinction between Jesus and the angels of God, and that the angels of God are giving worship to Jesus at a particular time. The second part of this passage, which is a little difficult to understand, is the phrase, quote, into the world, end quote. It says, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let the angels of God worship him. The phrase into the world can mean a few things. The phrase coming into the world 
is actually a regular euphemism for the act of being born. And this is how I used to understand this particular passage in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 6. I used to think that when he brings the firstborn into the world, this was in reference to the birth of Jesus. However, upon closer examination, I noticed that the word translated as world, which is the Greek noun ikumeni, is used only twice in Hebrews, and its second appearance is in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 5, which states that it is the world to come that is being discussed. And that's very important for understanding Hebrews chapter 1, is looking at the qualifier in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 5, which talks about the world to come, using the same Greek noun. So if it only occurs in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 6, and Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 5, and if Hebrews 2 and verse 5 is qualifying Hebrews chapter 1, then it is talking about the world to come. So, logically, if God is bringing Jesus into the world to come, and the passage begins with the conjunction when, then this is unlikely to refer back to Jesus' birth, but rather it's looking forward to his second coming. That is, when he is brought into the world to come from heaven. So I'll read that again in Hebrews 1.6 with this sort of understanding. And again, citing a citation, when he, God, brings the firstborn Jesus into the world to come, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. It is looking forward to a time at the second coming of Jesus when the angels are going to worship Jesus. So despite the apparent ambiguities, the text does contribute to the argument of Hebrews chapter 1 in that it distinguishes the risen Jesus from the angels, since the angels will come worship Jesus. Let's move on to the next two verses, verses 7 through 8 in Hebrews chapter 1. They say, And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire? But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. That's Hebrews chapter 1, verses 7 through 8. This passage focuses on the function and roles given to angels and to Jesus. So we're looking at the function and roles given to these two categories. The angels are ministers, servants even. They are ministering spirits. In the Old Testament, according to Hebrews, they, the angels, acted as flames of fire and even winds. But they did so in the capacity of ministering servants. Jesus, on the other hand, is the royal Son of God. It says, but of the Son, he says. We're talking here about the Son of God. And this Son of God is one who is going to rule forever and ever. Drawing on Psalm 45, where the Davidic king is promised an enduring throne, Hebrews portrays Jesus as a ruler. Furthermore, 
winds, and flames are by nature temporary, while the throne of this promised Davidic king endures forever. Thus, the contrast between serving angels and Jesus as the royal son of God is quite clear. We have the angels that function in a temporary capacity as servants, as ministers, and we have Jesus who is the son of God and he's going to rule on this throne of David forever and ever. So the contrast there in verses 7 through 8 are very clear for the reader to see. You can see much more of this very same contrast in verses 13 through 14 of Hebrews, which says, But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? Again, that's Hebrews chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. Now this passage, drawing upon Psalm 110, verse 1, further reinforces the previous point. The angels are ministers, rendering service to others. While Jesus, on the other hand, has been enthroned at God's right hand. Of course, this refers to the resurrected and exalted Jesus who is exalted to the position of God's right-hand man. Furthermore, Jesus is distinguished from Yahweh himself in this passage. Yahweh being the one who speaks in the psalm and invites Jesus to sit at his right hand. So this example in Hebrews chapter 1 distinguishes three different categories of being. Angels, the exalted Jesus, and Yahweh. And three are never confused. Let's move on to Hebrews chapter 2, starting in verse 8. But one has testified somewhere, saying, What is man that you remember him, or the son of man that you are concerned about him? You have made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, and have appointed him over the works of your hands, you have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. As Hebrews chapter 2, verses 6-8. through eight. This is the large controlling text governing how the catena of contrast in chapter 1 makes sense. The author of Hebrews draws on Psalm 8 as his controlling text, specifically the version of Psalm 8 that is in the Septuagint. Jesus, the human being, was made lower than the angels temporarily. But after his resurrection, he was crowned with glory and honor. He was exalted and put in authority over all things. The important point here is that Jesus is called a human being. He is called the man and the son of man. This passage also helps our inquiry in a variety of ways. First of all, it indicates that the author of Hebrews understood Jesus to be a human being, a man. 
this distinguishes the man Jesus from the angels. It would be strange for the author of Hebrews to cite a psalm that regards Jesus as a human being if the author of Hebrews really believed that Jesus was a non-human angel from heaven. Second, it notes that God is the person responsible for Jesus' status. Jesus was temporarily made lower than the angels, and God put him that way. God was also responsible for crowning Jesus with glory and honor, sharing with Jesus God's own glory in the process. Of course, God's rulership is shared with the human Jesus as God places all things under Jesus' feet. So Psalm 8 seems to be the controlling text in organizing the structure and argument of Hebrews chapter 1, the chapter which makes its entire point in distinguishing angels and Jesus Christ. Our second point today will be looking at Jesus and angels in 1 Peter. We'll be looking at 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 21 through 22. This passage says, Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers had been subjected to him. Again, that's 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 21 through 22. Now, 1 Peter doesn't mention angels very often. In fact, it only mentions them twice. But this passage, 1 Peter 3, 21 through 22, is relevant because it mentions both Jesus and the angels in close proximity. In doing so, it presents a few important points for our study. First, it notes that Jesus Christ, God, and the angels are all distinct categories. Christ is described with his human name, Jesus. So it is reasonable to assume that Jesus Christ remains distinct from both God and the angels precisely as a human being. Second, the text mentions that angels have been subjected to him, clearly creating a visible hierarchy of power for the reader to understand. The angels were subjected to Jesus Christ, so he is above them. And Jesus Christ is at God's right hand, so God is above Jesus. It's pretty clear. You've got God in the first place, Jesus in second place, and the angels below both of those categories. If the angels are subjected to Jesus, then Jesus rules over them as God's right-hand man. So in sum, while 1 Peter doesn't say much about the angels within the letter, he does make clear that Jesus is differentiated from the category of angels, and 1 Peter never confuses or overlaps the two. Peter also bluntly states that angels are subjected to Jesus, having taken place right before Jesus was exalted to heaven. So, in conclusion, we have observed that the question as to whether the risen Jesus was exalted 
to becoming one of the heavenly angels is an important question for many. As millions of Christians alive today answer the question in the affirmative, the author of Hebrews and 1 Peter would like to have a word with these believers, holding on to an angelic Christology. The book of Hebrews dedicates an entire chapter to making the point that Jesus is distinguished from the angels. In doing so, he draws support from the Old Testament, from Jewish messianism, and from common sense. For the author of Hebrews, Jesus is the messianic son of God and functions so as a human being. This human king was exalted to God's right hand and promoted with rulership, honor, and glory. The angels, on the other hand, are to worship Jesus, act as ministering servants, and function in a subordinate role to the Messiah. Hebrews is one of the strongest arguments against suggesting that Jesus is any manner of heavenly angel, whether that be a seraph, a cherub, the angel of the Lord, or an archangel. First Peter, furthermore, confirms what Hebrews has painstakingly set forth. While not devoting as much space to his argument, Peter offers a plain statement indicating that angels are now in subjection to the risen and exalted Jesus. No suggestion is made that Jesus was transformed from being a human being into one of the angelic host. While retaining his human name, he is exalted to heaven to the right hand of God. But before that occurred, all the angels were placed in subjection to Jesus. It is a safe conclusion to state that for Hebrews and 1 Peter, Jesus Christ is not a heavenly angel, but rather a highly exalted human Messiah. In our next episode, we're going to look at the book of Revelation to see how it might answer the question as to whether Jesus is a heavenly angel or not. Be sure to subscribe so that you are notified when that episode and others are to be released. If you would like to support the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, be sure to check out the episode's description for a PayPal link. Thank you so much for listening to us. Again, my name is Dustin Smith. Until next time, you folks take care.